to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith. Today's episode is sponsored by Big Ben's Desserts and Charlene's Home Cooking. Today I got another special guest with me. Last year I was on his podcast, the Two Stubborn and Fail Podcast. And this year, you know, we stayed in touch. We always stay in touch, man. I love to see the work that he's doing. He's the founder of Two Stubborn and Fail. I have Mr. Darren Perkins. How you doing? I'm good, man. Bro, it's good to sit down and have a conversation with you, yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's been, a, it's been a long time coming. Yeah. And, um... I'm just excited to get get Man, into it. Let me say I'm proud of like the work that you put in, first of all, because, you know, to stay consistent with, you know, a lot of people will start something uh-huh. and do it for maybe a week or two or maybe even a month or two, and then all of a sudden they just quit. So for you, for me to sit back and just watch you put in the work week in and week out, you know, stay consistent. I know it's not easy doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, to stay consistent. And uh, just keep putting out positive content that people can gravitate towards, man. I really appreciate watching your journey. So I'm proud to see that work, man. Like I appreciate really. you. Proud of you too. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of laid that that blueprint for me. Man, I tell <laughs> you, like honestly, I didn't really know. Like when people tell me they love the work that I'm doing, you know, I was just, you know, just still finding my way. You yeah. know, I just, you know, once I fell in love with the the broadcasting and, and the journalism, I just you know, picked up a mic, and uh, I didn't even have a mic at the beginning. I just yeah. started recording myself, not knowing what I was doing, not knowing where it was going to take me to. And um, But, you know, you just like you say, you got to stay consistent and just keep continue to lay that groundwork, man. And know it's not easy, but, like, when you find something that you love to do, man, you'll figure it out. You'll make it work. Absolutely. Regardless of the circumstances, you're going to continue to put in that work. Mm-hmm. So for you... You officially passed that one year mark with yep. Two Stubborn to Fail yep. podcast. So, talk a little bit about that first year and how does it feel to, you know, be doing the Two Stubborn to Fail podcast for over a year now? So, really, initially, it was about me getting out of my own head. Um, I started the whole thing just because I wanted to grow in that area of public speaking. I um, never really been much of a talker or outgoing type of person. And when the pandemic hit, you know, if you, I say this all the time, if you wasn't working on yourself, then you really did yourself a disservice because a lot of us who weren't essential um, had that time to kind of look in the mirror and see what was what. And for me, mm-hmm. I wanted to go ahead and perfect that craft of public speaking, and there's nothing more public than being on the Internet all the time. So as I think about the first year of recording, it's dope, man, to, to see how far I've come, to see how comfortable I am speaking like in front of the camera. Because I think a lot of the time, I know a lot of the time it's just in your head. So That's for me, it's just watching myself. Um, I can just pull myself up on the Internet at any time. I think it's just dope. My daughter can point me out on the screen. And and um, just to, to see where I've come from, episode one to uh, I think I'm at 34 now. Um, is is just a dope, dope. That's a large, yeah, uh, sample of work, like, right, right there, body mm-hmm. work already. What did you anticipate it being like from the beginning? Like, was it, was it anything that you thought was like right out the gate was just gonna be smashed, or did you know? Did you not anticipate you know people you know gravitating towards like they are right now? Uh, to be honest, because of the reason I started was for me. It really, I really didn't care what it what it did because. Initially, I wanted to do that for me to grow, mm-hmm. you know, and then it was just dope to see that people actually enjoyed the content and, you know, people hit me, hey, I saw the podcast, uh, you was you was talking that talk or, or, you know, a post that I, I put up 
with clips. People enjoy that sometimes mm-hmm. more than the actual episode. Yeah. Um, but just to see, you know, the impact that I have and to see people actually looking forward to the content that I produce now is it's a it's a heck of a feeling. What's the one biggest thing that you feel like you've learned in that year from recording a podcast? What would you say is like the one thing that you learned? The biggest thing that you learned? The biggest thing that I've learned is how important consistency is. Um, when with anything, but especially when you talk about content creation, because if you, whenever you, life is life happens to everybody, but yeah. if you notice the people who are the most successful, it's the people that are most consistent. They're putting out, even if they don't record an episode all the time, they may be putting out content on a daily basis to keep to draw you in. Because how many times have you been online and you've seen a clip that? got you interested in not necessarily that episode, but maybe you tune into their page. Maybe you subscribe to the channel or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. But, yeah, that would that would be my biggest thing that I've learned is is the power of being consistent. Power of consistency, man. Like mm-hmm. you said, life is always going to give you a reason always. to quit. Like, like I said, man, I've, I've been saying this since the past. Like, you got bills, mm-hmm. you got kids, car trouble, uh, Anything life, come your man. way. Just life happens, <laughs> and then somebody might need you to go somewhere and do something for them. It's anything, and it's so easy to use this excuse, well, I don't have time to do this. Yep. So people just continue to put out their dreams and what they really want to go after. But like you said, that consistency, man, and over a year, that's a large, like I said, it's a large mm-hmm. uh, sample of work. And for people to see you still doing it and mm-hmm. understand that, it's still not going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect, man. Never. And stuff's still going to come your way, mm-hmm. even when you have something planned, even when you record an interview, something might happen. Like, mm-hmm. you, I know you was talking about it earlier, you know, stuff like doing a virtual interview. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you still figured out a way to get it done, regardless right. of those circumstances, because a lot of people who had those issues, they were like, man, you know what? Forget it. Yeah. This is not meant for me. Right. So to continue, like I said, that consistency, um, that's the most important part of anything that you do. Absolutely. Consistency uh, and and staying true to who you are, finding your purpose. But um, I want to go back a little bit to talk a little bit about your journey um, mm-hmm. and, and your start. So I remember when we first did our interview, yeah. I remember you saying something about you weren't originally from you and you moved there yeah. growing up. Mm-hmm. Where were you originally from? So originally I was born in um, Forestville, Maryland, okay. the DMV. Um, lived the first 12 years of my life there. And then... Um, for whatever reason, we moved to Union um, at 12, and I started Sims Sims Junior High in the eighth grade, and then I went, you know, I stayed in Union until it was time to go to college. Did you have, did y'all have family that was in Union already? Yeah, or? yeah so my, so actually my grandmother is from, I got a lot of family there, but my grandmother is from Union, and my great-grandmother, now I remember that story, my great-grandmother got sick with Alzheimer's, so mm-hmm. my grandmother moved. And we lived with my grandmother, so uh, when she moved, we moved um, to Union. So that's how that that's how that ended up. But yeah, we got a lot of a lot of family in Union. Because I always wonder, man, like when people move to South Carolina, yeah. or and I'm like, what why? made you just move why? to South Carolina? Yeah. Like, why? I guess because we're from there, yeah. so to us, like it's it's normal. Mm-hmm. But when people from all over the country start moving this way, I'm like, man. What made you pick this place to come right. stay at? So right. when you say you have family there, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like even some of my coworkers, they don't have family here in South mm-hmm. Carolina, but they move here. But man, one of the main reasons, a lot of them coming from from the West Coast, right. like California, 
and they'll say like you know cost of living or that's a huge reason huge <laughs> California's expensive like all the way around absolutely man. so I'll, I'm always curious to to know why what made people move this way so coming from Maryland coming down here what was like was it a big lifestyle change you know moving from there to man uh, it was a huge culture <laughs> shock I'm talking about everything was different and what I didn't mention is. Um, when I was in Maryland, I also went to private school up until the time I left. So okay. not only was I coming to the South, I was coming to the public school system for the first time. So for me, the first time I heard somebody um, say earns, I was ready to go back home. Earns, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I was ready to go back home. I was yeah. like, yeah, this ain't, this ain't for me. So, so not only did I have to get used to the lingo and the, the culture change and the, the fashion, everything changed for me. So mm-hmm. I mean, at a very impressionable point in my life, at, you're talking about 12, 13 years old, mm-hmm. where you're you just learning about yourself. So, so I mean, I guess it was a blessing that it happened then as opposed to me being stuck, you know, in, in what I didn't really have a style or anything yet. So I, I kind of um, joke about just being from up north but having like a down south swag. You no, know, going to a, a private school and then when you're moving out here going to a, a public school, mm-hmm. did you feel like that was part of you, like you said earlier, not, you know, you wanted to work on being outspoken. Did mm-hmm. you feel like going to a private school was part of the reason you weren't as outspoken? No. Nah. Because you know, when you go to public right, school, these right, right. kids just say, it's different. Especially what we went to. Yeah. They say different. anything. It's different. But no, it wasn't. It was my personality. I okay. just always been more of a quiet, shy type person. Even when I moved here, like I was, um, well, the, one of the reasons why I was even more quiet is just because I didn't know what what anybody was talking about. So, mm-hmm. you know, in casual conversation. So I, I kind of sat back and, and, you know, observed how the lingo is, how they refer to certain things. And um, it took me a while to, you know, get there, but eventually I, I, I fit right in. Did you have any siblings or anything? Or so I have, I have actually three siblings, but none on my mom's side. So that's okay. who, that's who basically moved to you in my mom's side of the family. My dad's side of the family, I do have three siblings, two brothers and a sister. Okay. So, what are your memories? You know, of Union, of you know, going to school there, graduating from Union, mm-hmm. you know, because. We were from Jonesville, mm-hmm. you know, the consolidation. We, you know, we spoke about it during your interview. Yeah. Oh, when I was on your platform, mm-hmm. you know, the consolidation, it was like a, a big fiasco. But mm-hmm. like I said, when the key, when we got together, to me it didn't seem like a big issue right. when we all got together. So, But overall for you, you know, y'all, you were part of that first graduating class right. from Union County mm-hmm. High School. What are your impressions of uh, the memories of Union, you know, uh, moving there, growing up, and then graduating from Union? I would say, overall, I enjoyed my time in Union. Um, not realizing um, that it was a, well. You got to remember, I came there at a young age, so mm-hmm. it wasn't like even though I knew what it was like to live somewhere else, it wasn't really like I knew in the moment that it was a small town with with small mindsets and things like that. I was a kid, so you know I enjoyed right. being a kid, and um, I never really had any any negative um, experiences in you. And I, I enjoy living there. I'm, knowing what I know now, I realize how slow things can be in Union. But mm-hmm. at the time, you know, I just enjoy being a kid. Yeah, I don't think you, like you said, being a kid, you don't pay attention mm-hmm. to it. And especially if you're born and raised, right. 
in that area, you're going to think it's normal until you get outside of that box. Mm -hmm. And then you go travel to other places, and you're like, man, this is like a, like you said, it's a culture shock. Mm -hmm. It is totally different. Even like, I remember when I, when I got to Upstate and, and I got my internship my senior year, and I was just going right up the road to Charlotte to cover the games. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, man, this is, Charlotte is like totally different world from like Ewing and Jonesville. Mm -hmm. It's like a totally different mindset. So I think, and that's just an hour up the road. <laughs> so when you get outside of that, that box of your own comfort zone and just experience different things, um, then you see how much is out there in the world. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, you know, growing up, did you know initially what you wanted to be growing up? or Absolutely not. I had mm -hmm. plenty of ideas of what not only I wanted to be, but what my family wanted me to be. Um, and I think for the longest time, especially leading up to graduation, um, the medical field was always on the table. Um, being a doctor was something that earlier on was an idea. Um, so I go to USC Union for two years. Not because I, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I did have a um, a science a science background. So, boom! I go to USC Union for those two years and um, knock out my initial credits, and then you know it's time to transfer somewhere. So, mm -hmm. I I wanted to go somewhere where everything that I did for the past two years counted. So, the next step was uh, USC Columbia for me. Um, where I took up biology and realized that I would never make it in the medical field uh, pretty early. Um, it, it took a different level of focus, um, and I have a huge respect for those people who who can do that on the day in and day out, but biology and organic chemistry mm -hmm. and um, stuff like that. I find that quick at one point. Nah, me. that weeded mm -hmm. me out quick. So um, then at that point, I realized, well, I still didn't have a plan of what I wanted to do, but I do need to get this degree because I still been <laughs> I've right. been in school long enough. So I ended up switching um, with the credits that I had. It lined up with me at least having a psychology degree um, just to get out of there, mm -hmm. out of here. So um, that's what I did. I went the psychology route. Never really planned to use it um, outside of just having a four year degree. Um, so after I graduate that degree is what helped me um, get my, my first job here at USC, just for mm -hmm. having a degree. So that's really, you know, after I realized that, well, let me let me go back a little bit, because after biology, I found athletic training, which okay. for me, that was kind of the next logical step. I love sports, and I wanted to dabble in medicine without being too technical, so sports medicine. And I actually... I, I did really well in that. Like, all my grades was dope. But I put myself in such a hole early that that program, uh, when it was time to get accepted into that program, I didn't because my, my GPA was too low. Um, so then I had to make the decision to go to psychology. And, yeah. I was going to say, did you, you know, when you first went, you know, speaking about being a doctor, mm -hmm. uh, would you say that was more of what you wanted? in the beginning or something that your parents or your family was yeah, expecting of you to become? It definitely was an idea that my family um, plant implanted in my head, but you know, I had my part of accepting it because I could have mm -hmm. just out the gate said, no, I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I at least tried it, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I went ahead and tried it and realized fairly quickly that that wasn't mm -hmm. going to be what I do. I don't think we talk about that enough of how 
you know, like you say, it was a, a thought, you know, for your parents and mm-hmm. for yourself. But, you know, those expectations for kids, you know, in high school, it's like it's hard. I always say I feel like it's hard. We put a lot of pressure on kids from the standpoint of it's hard to expect a, a teenager, a 17, 18-year-old, to know what they want to make a career out of. Right. When you see adults, we change careers all the time. All the time. So to, to have those expectations for a kid, that's that's hard. Yeah. And then when you finally jump out there into that field in, in college and you, and you figure out, man, I really don't know if this is really for me. Right. And then, like you said, um, you change a major. Um, you struggle with some. Of, you can struggle with some of those classes at mm-hmm. times. Like even for me, I didn't know what I wanted to do after uh, high school. I just yeah. thought you was just supposed to go to college. Right. So I could type fast. So I was like, well, I guess I'm good with computers since I know how to type pretty fast. So I went in, you know, doing computer programming, and then I figured out really. I mean, I was doing well in my class, well enough in my class. Right. I ain't gonna say I was a straight A student. Yeah. <laughs> Then I figured out, you know, towards my senior year, man, this ain't what I want to do the rest of my life. It had to be something, you know, geared more towards sports. Mm-hmm. But for me, talk a little bit about those expectations. How do you feel about, you know, as a kid, you know, having those expectations from, mm-hmm. like, you have your own, but then from your family. Talk about that from a standpoint, you know, expectations for kids and what type of pressure they can have on a child, you know. Yeah, so for me, I always, especially early, I always got good grades, like, being on the honor roll was something that I did all the way up and through um, high school until I got to college. Right. Um, but I would say because I was so used to having good grades, like living up to the expectations of being something great was never really hard because I always kind of – I was used to excelling in that way. Um, mm-hmm. Never – don't get it twisted. I never had the uh, idea that I was going to be a valedictorian either. Like, I just, right. I basically, I knew that I was smart enough to get the job done, but I wasn't going to, I guess, be the top of the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't really fault my parents for, uh, you know, pushing me because they could have just not cared at all, right. you know. So I am thankful that they were there to support me and whatever I had going on and, and to put those ideas that would allow me to keep growing. And, you know, as a parent... Uh, you know, you know this yourself. You just want the best for your kids, exactly. And you want them to to be better than you, in in mm-hmm. a sense, you know. And as you know, watching them grow up, you see the potential mistakes that they could make, and you want to limit that for them. But at the end of the day, they they got to make it themselves. Mm-hmm. Like you can make things easier for them, but at the end of the day, we all need to find out what it's like to stand on our own too. Mm-hmm. And they don't know what they don't know, right. so we can't really fault them. You mm-hmm. know, like I tell people all the time, my parents weren't fortunate enough to go to college, mm-hmm. so they made sure that, you know, they did whatever they had to do for myself and my brother and my sister. You know, they took out loans and, right. you know, they did all this so we could finish and get our degree. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when I got there, you know, my I feel like my expectations started to change a little bit. You know, I was, I was an A-B student, and in high school, mm-hmm. get to college, classes are starting uh, to get a lot harder than that, mm-hmm. and then you just have all of the temptation and everything the going around you, distractions mm-hmm. around you in that environment. So, my expectations were like, man, I want to come. My expectations shifted a little bit to, man, I just want to have a good time, mm-hmm. figure something, figure out what I want to do, and just have good enough grades to just finish out, you know, just to graduate and get my degree. So things started to to shift a little bit for me. 
Um, I think that we need to talk about that though mm-hmm. uh, for a minute, not to cut you off, but I think we need to do a better job of telling or warning high school kids of the freedom they're about to have it's because I think I think that's like the hardest adjustment for most kids because you know you go from being in school all day long to being in school for maybe two three hours a day and you got the rest, the rest of, of your day. day and that's dangerous when you're not used to having that Bruh, much time it's crazy <laughs> and you don't have nobody waking you up telling yeah. you to go to class to go to the next nobody class. holding you accountable for nothing and then someday you might not have a class at, at all, all especially mm-hmm. like on a friday yeah so two o'clock three o'clock on a thursday you done for the rest of the day you got college night, mm-hmm. and then you ain't got to get up Friday, especially then if you don't have a job or nothing. So you got mm-hmm. the rest of the weekend. And this to- might be your first time ever living on your own, or at least in a situation where you are your own yep. parent. It's dangerous, man. <laughs> it's a lot of freedom. I remember my RA told me first semester. He said, "Man, listen." He said, "A lot of the a lot of the kids that's here with you right now." He said, "They ain't gonna be here next year." He said half of them probably won't even be back second semester. Mm-hmm. And he was right. Like yeah. a lot of they just, especially when you're not used to like getting out. Mm-hmm. Or you, if you just been, uh, you know, kind of just your parents were strict on you. And then you, you finally get that freedom when you get to college. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different world. Oh, another world. You see kids, they do. I just say that you'll see a lot of stuff that you don't see at home mm-hmm. when you get to college. And then just like you said, that freedom of, you know. Not having nobody to tell you what to do, mm-hmm. and everything is on you to get your work done and yep. get up and go to class. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a total. I, think, I feel like you need an orientation just for that. You do. <laughs> I, I think you, could, especially for kids that that know they want to go to college mm-hmm. right, right after high school. I think it help. It would definitely help if like more of us, like college graduates, would go in and talk to them about right. you know, dangers about of, like mm-hmm. which which you can fall into and. And, and it's dangerous when you can watch a movie or see these college parties on TV and all mm-hmm. that stuff. That stuff can be tempting for those young oh, yeah. kids as well. It's like, man, is college really like this? Will you just party like it this all the time? It can be. Depending on, you know, the type of person you are and the crowd that you hang around. Because um, it's always going to be a party. Some people just come to school just for that. So, like you said, it would be dope for, um, and maybe it would take somebody like us who have experienced that to go back and tell the youth, um, hey, just have a plan. You know, mm-hmm. it's not nobody saying that you can't have fun, but at the same time, you need to just keep it in, keep it mm-hmm. in check. Don't don't <laughs> don't wild out. Yeah. Because once that it's GPA easy. once that GPA go down, it's real hard to get back up. It is, and then you start getting like little notices or mm-hmm. anything. I remember I was never on academic probation, but it was one of my classes. Uh, my freshman year, he's my freshman sophomore year. I was kind of struggling a little bit, mm-hmm. and they sent the letter to the house, and I didn't know they was gonna send it to yeah. home. And then my people come and say, you know, you, one of your teachers, <laughs> they sent us the school, sent us a letter in the mail saying one of your your grades is a little low. I said, yeah, I know. I said, I'm, I said, I, I got time. I'm gonna fix it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they'll let you know, kind of like halfway through that semester, whether you need to drop that class mm-hmm. or you don't fail it. Or you can stay into that class. So I had a couple of them. Where I ended up dropping because I was like, man, this ain't, this ain't, this ain't. Man, for me here right at USC anymore. is different. They don't care about. And it may have gotten different now from when I was in, but I remember one professor in the art class at that. He told me, uh, I think he was on a test or something like that. He was just like, 
at this point, it's mathematically impossible for you to pass this class. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, damn, I ain't never, I ain't never, I'm used, to, like you said, I'm used to being on the A and B honor roll and, and uh, you know, being this art history class failing, it, it was a huge blow, but, you know, that those failures help shape who you mm -hmm. are later, but in the moment, it stinks. Yeah, <laughs> and it's crazy how, I was like, man, it's crazy how much, like, when we were walking through here, mm -hmm. I was like, man, I don't even miss the studying part. Nope. Right? It's, it's too much, <laughs> man. Because it's like, I remember we would do a chapter at a time mm -hmm. in, in high school and then take a test. Right. College, they give you three, yeah, four like chapters. Yeah. You might go a whole month of just mm -hmm. cramming notes. And then, okay, here go your test. And you got to try to remember all this stuff, man. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm just like, I just need to get memorized just enough <laughs> for this test. And then I'm good, man. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of stuff about college, man. And I always tell people, it's great to get an education. Right. Don't ever think it's not. Um, but understand, like, what you're going for, mm -hmm. what you want to do when you get there. Because if not, man, you're wasting time and money. Yep. And don't and, don't go just to go. And don't go just to go. Mm -hmm. For me, I was just going, in the beginning, I was just going just to go. Because right. I was like, well, high school, I ain't ready to go straight to work after right. high school. So let me get four more years to just <laughs> buy some more time to figure out what I'm doing. Not knowing I'm racking up a, a bill. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just like, man, let me just go to school. It looked cool on TV. Mm -hmm. So I'll figure it out when I get there. Yeah. And, uh, man, I had a good time. But that, that bill, I mean, I made some of my best, met some of my um, closest friends um, in college, but it's just a lot of stuff, you know, kids, you know, they need to be warned about before Absolutely. they get there and just understand what you're going for because that time and that money, that stuff can, you know, add up mm -hmm. over time. And then them four years go by like that. So. Real quick. And it didn't hit me. I was still like, it was the last semester. Um, it was crazy because I updated the game last night. Um, it was a grad student right beside me and, uh, and, you know, I told the one thing I wish I would have did was, you know, get an internship earlier in my college me career to kind of, like, help me figure out what it is that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until, like, my very last semester mm -hmm. and I started, you know, covering um, sports and everything like that. That's when I was like, man, you know what, this is cool. I feel like I can do something, you know, like this. So I would definitely tell kids, you know, kind of, you know, figure out what it is that you want to do and then, uh, then go to mm -hmm. school. But you know when you when you're there and you don't, haven't had anybody before you in your family, you don't mm -hmm. really know right. until you ain't really no get blueprint out there. for you. No blueprint at mm -hmm. all. But I want to ask you, um, speaking about school before we change subjects, how do you feel like in any way did the school kind of like do you feel like it prepared you for the real world? No, but yes and no. So the only reason I say is a yes is when I got to college and uh, you know became an adult because I moved like after I graduated high school I left at like 18 and moved to Columbia and I lived here like I didn't live in a dorm mm -hmm. I had an apartment off campus and I basically you know was on my own from that point on um, and from that point I, you know I learned about bills for the first time and and um, the importance of you know paying stuff on time and credit and uh, it was a huge, well, I'm, my parents did a good job of preparing me for that, too. But mm -hmm. as far as school, outside of, of learning what failure is, I don't feel like they teach, taught me anything yeah. about the real world. I just feel like, you know, they kind of, you know, 
teach us these so a lot of these courses that we really don't need. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got to take them as electives, which I feel like that's part of like the issue right there. It's like I wish we could just, yeah, if you know what you want to do, kind of like just go take those courses. Right. That way you don't have to keep wasting time. Cause I, I had uh, astronomy and, and world geography, mm-hmm. and uh, I had an art history class and world history. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of this stuff, I never even used never again, gonna use again after college. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, I wish they they prepared you more for the real world. Um, for me, I'll tell you, when I, when I graduated, when it really hit me, I was like, oh, this is real, mm-hmm. was when uh, probably graduated college, and then like five, six months later, that student loan bill <laughs> hit the mail, mm-hmm. and mine was like $500 a month. And I'm mm-hmm. like, man, I just graduated from college. How, right. you, how do you expect a college graduate to just, you know, fall right in line and be able to pay this type of money back? So for me, that's when it finally hit me that, like, okay, School didn't really prepare me for this part, yeah. So now I gotta figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I get ready? How do I get adjusted to the to the real world? Right. So if you feel like that was the moment for you, like when you like you said when you moved out, that was kind of like the moment where you felt like, okay, now now it's real. I'm out here in the real world. Yeah, I would say so because um, if you remember, I did my first two years at USC Union, so I still basically was home. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, for me, it was just an extension of high school. The classes weren't really that hard. Um, I was still doing well at that point. But when I moved out here on my own, and um, that was that was a whole nother animal, just just learning, you know, how to be my own person for the first time and, and dealing with freedoms of college classes. And mm-hmm. it, it, it all hit at once. And then, you know, starting to see like what kind of debt I'm gonna be in when I get out. So yeah, that's when it hit for me. I didn't even think about the debt when I was in school. Mm, I did. I would just, <laughs> to me it was just like, well I knew it was coming, Right. but I was, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I got four years. Mm. I figured this out down the line. <laughs> yeah. So when you take it out loans and you, you want some, uh, like a refund check. Right, right. So it's like, okay, I only need a thousand dollars just to, you know, pay this out. Let me get an extra thousand on top of this mm-hmm. just so I can, you know, have some money in my right. pocket for the semester. Cause mm-hmm. when we we go out and we get our refund checks for school, we going out, we going, we hitting the mall, yep. then we going to the club, mm-hmm. we doing the skip line, we buying drinks, cause we got this money. And we like, man, we ain't worried about paying this back down the line. That's that's and four that's years. That's what they're banking now. Yep, <laughs> and we don't know. But I, I had one guy, Caleb. Shout out my man, Caleb. He was he went to uh, he was from Charleston. And I remember while he was at Upstate with us, he was paying on his loans while he was in school, oh, still going through. So he was there actually still paying the right yeah. way. I'm thinking, I was like, man, I ain't paying mine right now. I said, I got four years yeah. until yeah. mine finally kick in. But then when it hit you that, okay, these people really want their money back, that's a whole nother, mm-hmm. that's a whole nother it's issue. Scary. Yeah. And I think <laughs> that's something that, that uh, they need to talk about with students as well. You know, you know, taking out loans or Get a full scholarship. Any kind of that's law, your first. That's your first bet. Any kind of grants or scholarship money you can get, take it. I would mm-hmm. tell anybody that because when you got to come out of pocket or you got to borrow money, the money ain't yours. Mm-hmm. So and it, and it's got to be paid back. So I would definitely tell people, man, understand you know the the ends and outs, and understand when that when that time come after you graduate, they gonna really they gonna want their money back, and they mm-hmm. gonna get it one way or another, whether mm-hmm. it's you or a co-signer. They will mm-hmm. figure out a way to uh, to oh, get money. Oh, garnish your checks. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. So, 
after college, what kind of work did you jump into, you know, after graduating? Man, so I so when I was in school still, I um first thing I was doing was I was at Bilo as a bagger. Um and I did that like when I graduated high school, well my senior year of high school after football, that's when you first find out the type of freedom that you're about to have. So mm-hmm. I had too much time on my hands, so I was like, let me go get a job, see what that's like. So I, I did that. I worked at Bilo, and then I came here, and I worked at Bilo, too. But it just wasn't – I was tired of it, to be honest. So mm-hmm. um, I was fortunate enough that my my wife, a girlfriend at the time, she told me that it was this work-study job um, on campus. So I was like – well, let me go see what that's about. And um, it was at the computer lab here at USC, and um, it was making good money. It wasn't hard, uh, and I stayed there. I worked that job the whole time I was in uh, college. Mm-hmm. Well, here, the whole time I was here at college. Um, then I graduated, but because I did such a good job there and built a rapport with them, uh, my supervisors at the time, they actually put in a good word for me to get um, another position full-time here when I graduated college here. Uh, but in between that, the first thing I did after college was U-Haul, and I hated it. That mm-hmm. was my first time really. Um, see, I, I, I never really did no hard manual labor or, or anything to that effect. So for, for me, like turning a wrench, I didn't know nothing about cars. I didn't know, yeah. you know, that whole lane of, of blue collar wasn't for me. I, I knew that going out, mm-hmm. but I needed a job, and they was hiring. So I went there. Um, I worked there for maybe six months, and then USC called. Uh, well, I put in for USC, but they, mm-hmm. they called for the interview. And then um, I started working here in, like, 2016. I graduated in 2015, started working at USC in 2016, and I've been working at USC ever since. I think – for me, it was uh, we talk about that that blue collar work. Mm-hmm. When I uh, I remember, I remember uh, after my freshman year at Upstate, me and my brother we we got a job at Adidas, mm-hmm. and we worked there doing twelve hour shifts. Yeah, I didn't like that job, mm-hmm. so that was just only summer for the summertime. Right. Man, then I went and bounced around. I worked at uh, Pizza Hut. I worked at Toys R Us. Uh, worked at Sam's pushing carts. Mm-hmm. Went to Costco, um, and then after graduated from from college, the the job probably the worst job I had after graduating from college. I remember uh, for me, and I'm not knocking on anybody that works there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I started working at FedEx, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, getting on the back of that truck at night, <laughs> and you throwing all those boxes on that truck, mm-hmm. and they just coming down that chute, and you just gotta hurry up and load it. And you get out of work, your body sore. I probably I probably did it for probably about two or three two or three months, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, I told the guy, I said, hey, man, I don't think this for me no more. And he said, I'm t- he said well, just let me know if you're going to uh, come tomorrow. And I said, I looked straight at him. I did it. And I said, I know for a fact I ain't coming tomorrow. <laughs> 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 Took my badge, walked over to the to the uh, counter, <laughs> sat it down. That was it. Yeah. It was just too much, man. Mm-hmm. And it and almost, you know, for me, I wrote about it in my book, man. I remember, you know, Going from college, having a degree, you know, then covering, you know, NBA and all these different sporting events. And I would tell people that I work with it, and I was like, man, uh, I said, yeah, I used to cover sports, cover the Hornets, NASCAR, everything. Like, man, what you doing here? 
And I was like, man, I just needed something, you know, just kind of, you know, keep some money in my pocket, mm-hmm. man. Uh, my son and my daughter, I don't, they were born, they, they were born at the time. But uh, for me, it was just like, man, I was like, how did I get here? To me, it's almost like a, a, a point in my life was like, man, how did in the world do I go from, you know, sitting in front of the best athletes in the world to, you know, being on the back of a truck throwing mm-hmm. boxes? And to me, that was kind of like one of those moments for me where things started to shift and I felt felt like I had to create my own opportunity. It was one of the moments, mm-hmm. but it was another one down the line. We'll, we'll talk about that as well. But uh, for you, what would you say for you was like a moment where, you know, thankful that you had the job, mm-hmm. um, but then, you know, you, you were ready, you know, to create your own opportunity? Man, for me, that's kind of – so the first time – let me go back a little bit. So I told you that I always been like a good student from that regard. And outside of school, I was always, you know, well-mannered, well-behaved too. So I always felt as though, like, something bigger was coming for me. I just mm-hmm. needed to make a decision on what that was. Um, So I kind of went with the flow, like, all through college. Even, you know, leading up to getting hired at USC, it was just more of a go with the flow because I hadn't made a decision. Um, So the moment that made me make a decision was the pandemic, honestly. Um, that, That basically put me in a position where Like I talked about earlier, um, I was able to look myself in the mirror and, you know, I wasn't wasn't anywhere near the person that I saw myself becoming. So Mm -hmm. it starts with me, you know. So I had to make that decision. And one of the first things I did was got in the gym, like consistently. Because at that point, I had never worked out for more than maybe two, three months at a time because it's easy to fall off. Mm -hmm. Um, So... That was one of my first goals is let me see if I can make it a year. Um, and, and within that first year of me, like, consistently going to the gym, I lost, like, over 50 pounds. And that's what sparked me to start my own thing. Um, it, it gave me that belief that, you know, if I put my mind to it, I could do whatever I want to do. Um, and that mm-hmm. was powerful for me. Um, it, it's crazy how it works, but, like, I just needed to see it happen in my life. And then once I saw that I could do that in that area, it transformed into, you know, me starting my own business. And because I had the clothing line before I even had the podcast. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I transferred all my energy into that. And then I was like, well, let's take it a step further. Let's let's start a podcast. Uh, I'm talking to myself. Um, and that's exactly what I did. But it started when I, I showed myself that I could commit to something and get that desired goal. So talk a bit about talk about the name now, you know, Too Stubborn to Fail. How mm-hmm. did you coming up with that name mm-hmm. and then how long have you actually um had your business overall? Yeah, so Too Stubborn to Fail was a no brainer for me because I always felt as though I was stubborn. Even though I always did things by the book, I always wanted to do it my way, in a sense. Like even if you know, I was told to do something. I was going to do it, but I was going to do it my way mm-hmm. and on my own terms. Um, and, you know, I always felt as though I could be stubborn in that regard. Um, fast forward to when the, the birth of the name came, I actually was at a branding conference. Um, 
and you know one of our assignments was to create our own brand um and you know stubborn was always in the back of my head but i never really thought about you know putting it on paper so you know that night one of our assignments was to create a brand so i'm like man what can i call what can i stand on what can i be proud of as a brand and that's how it was like yeah too stubborn to fail was born that night and um Actually, when I came up with the name, it was probably around 2015, something like that. So I sat on the name for a while. When the pandemic hit, that's when I, you know, and, and I was able to lose that weight. After that, you know, I was like, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and name my company Two Step in the Field. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you consult with anybody? Was it um, your friends? I know your wife, she was your girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. Did you consult with anybody about, hey, I'm thinking about starting my own business, or was it just something you nope. said, regardless, I'm just going to yep. do this Similar myself. to the podcast, I didn't care. Um, it wasn't anything that I was looking for validation from from anybody else. It was something that was my decision because I knew that I was going to be the one to put in all the work for it, and the people that matter were going to support me anyway. Mm-hmm. When you talk about, you know, stubborn, Mm-hmm. I feel like as an entrepreneur, well, I don't want to get my answer yet. I, I want to see what you th- think about, you know, as an entrepreneur. Do you mm-hmm. feel like everybody has to have a certain level of, you know, stubbornness in them mm-hmm. to be an entrepreneur? I take it a step further. I feel like in order to be successful, you have to be stubborn on some level. Because mm-hmm. at some point, some adversity, something is going to go wrong. Something is not necessarily wrong, but something is going to go a way that you didn't expect it to go, and it's going to take you not to quit in order for Mm -hmm. you to make it through that. So, yes, for entrepreneurs, but take it a step further. Everybody needs to be, you know, a little stubborn when it comes to their goals. I was going to say, I I agree, because for me, you know, my lady, she's right here. She'll tell you I'm stubborn. (laughs) She knows I'm stubborn, but I have my ways where, like, you know, I know it's things that I I need to be doing, Mm -hmm. I want to do, but it's things that, you know, I have to get this done right now. Um, despite what anybody else says, you know, I need to be, they want me to do this or be here or be there, but I'm like, you know, I understand that, but right now I got to take care of this right now because right. if I don't, then I'm going to continue to keep repeating the same cycle just like everybody else over and over, hmm. every single day, every year, over and over. So I feel like as an entrepreneur, like, or like you said, to be successful in life, you have to have a certain level of stubbornness in you mm-hmm. to get what you want to like. If you look at the greatest, like just from a sports standpoint, the greatest athletes or entertainers, I feel like they had to have a certain level of stubbornness. Oh, yeah. like Absolutely. A, like a like a Tom Brady or Shannon Sharp. Well, mm-hmm. Tom Brady, you know, of course, you know, ultimately. That's a different level. Marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a certain level of stubbornness. Even LeBron, like mm-hmm. these guys had to have a certain level of stubbornness in them to be as great as they are because mm-hmm. – you know, like Ben, Ben, Ben always told me, and I said it during a previous interview with Brandy. Said you can't be normal and great at the same time. Nope. So if you want to have a, a average life or or just be where you are, mm-hmm. continue doing what you're doing. But if you really want more out of life or to to reach that certain level of greatness, you have to, you know, dig a little bit deeper than mm-hmm. everybody else and just continue to be working. There's gonna be things that you really want to be at, or people want you to come to those events mm-hmm. or anything. But then it's gonna be time you, you gotta sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I understand, you know, I gotta miss it this time because I got something that I really need to get done. Even though I wanna go, mm-hmm. like, I have to get this done and <clears throat> regardless, like like you were saying, you know, you to me, I always and I'm glad you answered that question. It's like, you know, 
having to have that certain level of stubbornness to mm -hmm. get to where you want to go in life. Absolutely. So talk a little about, you mentioned, you know, that support, you know, not looking for this, you know, support, like the people that you want, you know, um, from home or your family will go support you regardless. Mm -hmm. You know, we always have this conversation, you know, the people that don't know us become our biggest supporters. Right. In, and coming from where we're from, you know, small town, like I said, people feel like they know you at times. They don't support you. Some people will. Mm -hmm. But how do you feel about, you know, people in general, you know, not just your situation, but in general, like, you know, having that support system from the people from your hometown? Yeah. Um, I think it's big in the sense that for me, what's separating me from other people that start things is, like I told you, I really didn't care who supported me uh, because I knew that the people who were truly in my corner were going to. But um, to speak to your point about people that you don't know being bigger, especially in the beginning, um, that's true too because those are the people that can, can introduce you to people. Those are the people that can get mm -hmm. you in the room. Um, even, you know, you have your loved ones that, you know, support and, and you know, show support on some level they can't really help you get to somewhere that they don't know. So the people that you don't know are the people that are most important, especially up front, because they, they introduce you to people and doors that you would never knew were possible. Absolutely, man. And I, I'd say, like, some of the places that I've been to, you know, these people didn't know me. Right. They just, you know, were fortunate enough and were kind enough, mm -hmm. you know, to give me a, a, a opportunity of a lifetime. Right. You know, I just, a lot of times when, I, when I'm traveling, this is my... It's my first time ever, you know, you know, we should exchange emails, might have a, a brief phone call or whatever, but it's actually my first time on camera that you see me with this person, right. you know, building these relationships with these people. Um, you know, a stranger opened the door for me to, you know, cover the uh, Charlotte Hornets or right. Carolina Panthers, all these events. It was just people, like you said, that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Of course, you want people from home to support you, but mm -hmm. even when I started, I was just like, you know, I would just jumped out there and did it you right. know for me it was just like because i never like kind of similar to your situation i wasn't like the most outspoken person in in high school right. like i just stayed with my circle of friends and like we were tight and when i went to school they would come up my boys would still come holler at me i was never like dying to like jump into anybody else click or or hang with them just to get notoriety or attention mm -hmm. or anything like that it was just me you know just staying true and just hanging with my people so it's it's a good feeling. You want that support from home, and it's, you definitely want to have that support before you know you blow up and get to a certain level. And mm -hmm. then people are like, I always knew you could do it. Yeah. You want to have that support like right there from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But you know, over time, it's unfortunate. Like sometimes people wait until you become super successful, then they want to jump behind you and then mm -hmm. say, "Man, I knew this person could do it all alone." That's why it's so important for you to just. <clears throat> do what you want to do as opposed to doing mm -hmm. it because you expect somebody to support you. Because at the end of the day, you don't know who will and won't support you. So mm -hmm. just do what makes you happy, and um, that's where you should start. Absolutely. We got a few more questions. I know you said you, you were married. You're married now. Mm -hmm. You have one child. You, you have, got three kids. You got three kids. Mm -hmm. How has, you know, being married, um, being a father, um, being a husband, you know, how has all of that helped you, you know, as an entrepreneur? Man. And just overall as a person, as a man. 
it's just really just growth growing um you know your first time being a parent you don't know even you know when you have multiple kids it's no mm-hmm. it's no cookie cutter way to parent it's no mm-hmm. cookie cutter way to be a husband or or um a mate to somebody it, it it really is just all new and you know I think the main thing is learning. Well, the first thing that you need to do is be comfortable with yourself. Because I feel like once you learn how to be comfortable with yourself, learn how to love yourself, it's easier to deal with everybody else because mm-hmm. you're centered. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people get into trouble is they 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 depend on somebody else to, to pour into them as opposed to them being already full mm-hmm. going into a relationship or, or whatever the case may be. And um, for me, I was fortunate enough that my family surrounded me with so much love and support um, that I didn't ever look for it out of anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was complete with any relationship, any anything that I would start, I was already complete from that standpoint. So it made it easier to be become a husband. It made it easier to become a dad because... I wasn't looking for anything to pour into me. It was easier for me to just slide right in and, and you know, start becoming the things that, that I knew I could be. Mm-hmm. Has has being an entrepreneur at all um, made some conversations tough? Like 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 I was saying earlier, like, you know, it's things that, you know, as a, as a father and, and a husband that, you know, that you really want to do, but... Is other things that you need to get done at certain times. Have you have you have y'all had any of those moments where it's like, okay, you got to find some level of compromise, and you have those kind of conversations. You know, being an entrepreneur because things mm-hmm. are tough. It's not always going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Have you had those, any of those moments where you had to have like those kind of tough conversations? For me, I feel like it probably not necessarily a tough conversation, but just getting um, a form of understanding because mm-hmm. you know doing what we do it takes a lot of time. Um, especially with us having in-person interviews, it requires you to be gone. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like I have a whole bunch of spare time for everything. So for me, it was just, you know, getting a better understanding and, and just being honest with my wife and letting her know that, you know what, this is serious to me. And it's not that I'm neglecting you, but I need to pour my focus into this in order for it to do what I want it to do. Mm-hmm. It's going to be time for you. It's going to be time for the kids. But I need to focus on this task in order to get that desired result. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you got to schedule that time for your your family. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's that's what it was. Yeah, I think for, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. You know, like I said, my ladies right here, we, we had these conversations. Mm-hmm. It's not always easy. So, you know, before, you know, anything got serious with us, I told her everything that I had going on as mm-hmm. far as the business, right. you know, kids. Um, but then it, things just started picking up, like even the opportunity with the Hornets. So then they, that added even more mm-hmm. onto, you know, my plate already. So, you know, those conversations can get difficult at mm-hmm. times, but you know, like I said, they got to have that level of understanding, mm-hmm. you know, um, still having to figure out ways to, you know, make time. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be easy, no. but you just have to do it as a man, you know, you know, keep your word, you mm-hmm. know. Because I know I'm guilty of times, you know, even, I, and I've said this before, is like even with, with my kids, you know, they've had things in the past where my son, even, matter of fact, this back in October, November, my son had a playoff game, a uh, football game, 
and I had to miss it because I had to go, you know, cover the game up in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. But thankfully they won that game. I was able to make it to the next right. playoff game. But, you know, at times, like, I know I really want to be here, mm-hmm. but, you know, I have to get this done, take care of this because these are the things that are going to benefit everybody in the long run, mm-hmm. of course, you know, like I say, and it comes back to, you know, having a certain level of stubbornness, but at the same time, you know, still having some understanding at the same time. Right. Um, just a few more questions. We'll get ready to wrap it up. What would you say was probably like on your journey so far as one of the sacrifices that you had to make um, to become successful as an entrepreneur? Time, man. It, it takes a lot of time, especially up front, to um, – learn the craft I, you know starting from scratch it's just like you don't even know about cameras um you don't know about the algorithms learning social media learning mm-hmm. um you know about clothing about brands which which what clothes are the best to use what about shipping it's, it's a lot of things it's a lot of time and effort that that i had to put in up front uh, and, you know, like you said, still to this day, it's still stuff that I need to learn. Um, but that would be my biggest sacrifice so far is time. I'm, I'm with you on the time. That's mm-hmm. the hardest part, mm-hmm. you know, for me. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm thankful for everything that I have. Thankful for my family, everybody. Mm-hmm. But, you know, still, you know, time is something you can't get back. Nope. Um, I mean, I, I hate missing some of the events that I have to, um, that I really want to be at. But mm-hmm. you said, like you said, you know, in order to get to where you want to get in life, man, time, you're going to have to, you know. Put it in. Put put in mm-hmm. that time and, and miss some things, and then hopefully, prayerfully, you can make it up on that on that back end. Right. Um, for you overall, what would you say is, like, your vision of um, for two stuff in the field? Yeah, so really what I want it to, well, what it's going to be uh, is a network, like the two stuff in the field network where I can have, you know, shows under me or under the brand that that represent not necessarily the same lane as me but just represent the brand overall um you know i have ventured out and you saw me at one of the um events for jared's for jared's last uh, uh, success in my pre conference, yep. conference. Mm-hmm. um branching out and you know covering being media coverage from that standpoint um, I've gotten a few opportunities that just fell in my lap just from showing up at that one event. Um, and, and for the brand, the clothing brand, just to to grow it into, you know, something that I can, I just see some random people walking down the street with, um, you know, bigger than just T-shirts and hoodies. Mm-hmm. I thought about this question uh, a few days ago, you mm-hmm. know. You've been doing the podcast for over a year now. Right. Um, I've been doing it for a little while. Um, normally, I say I would say, you know, what advice would you have for you know other people when they can still uh, take this advice as well? But but being in the podcast space, what advice would you have for me personally? Just from you, from you to me, like what advice would you have for me from the things that you've already learned? Well, from knowing from knowing your journey, a little bit about your journey, and from you know prior experience, um, just consistency don't quit like the momentum that you get is so hard to recapture so Mm -hmm. just go ahead and keep climbing the mountain because once you stop you got to go all the way back to the bottom um and you know you you sacrifice so much time and so much effort you don't want to lose any momentum by by taking and that's not to say that you can't take time off because there's things that you can put in place Mm -hmm. to make sure that things are running 
outside of you know you physically being there for every single thing. Right. Um, but just don't stop. That would be my biggest. Absolutely. And then my last and final question. This is the one that I ask everybody when I'm on the road traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's part of this uh, self-investment cross-line podcast, self-investment tour. So my final question that I want to ask you is, what does self-investment mean to you? Everything. Um, your your number one commodity asset should be you as, you know, an individual. So I feel as though you have to, uh, like I said earlier, you have to be complete. So if you for whatever reason that you're lacking in any way as far as self-confidence or or you know being fulfilled or, or whatever that is go ahead and fix that whether it's therapy or just getting a better understanding of your loved ones fix that first within you and then you know that will allow you to to build upon that and expand relationships Darren, I appreciate you, man. Amen. Enjoy Anytime. the conversation, man. Def- you know, we definitely got to do this again. Absolutely. I know, I feel like down the line, man, when we get to where we want to get, we're going to look back at this conversation, the one previous on your platform, mm-hmm. and, and we're going we're gonna to do something together, man, Absolutely. collaborate, man. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. You Even know? if it end up us just probably having our own show together. Exactly. <laughs> we're going we gonna to figure out a way to, you know, make make something work. Mm-hmm. Um, Before we get out of here, I'm gonna let you plug that in in one second. I know when I when I spoke to Brandy, she said something along the lines. You know, she got the book fair, the Black History Month book fair next month. Mm-hmm. I think she mentioned you about doing oh, yeah, something she hit at the me book up. fair. What what was the uh? So just to cover the, what I was talking about, event coverage. She wanted me okay. to cover the event, like I similar to what I did for Jerry's event. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I knew she was saying something about you were gonna be there, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna have him on uh, next week. I'm mm-hmm. going down to shoot an interview with him, so you'll be at the book fair. Yes, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm. I got a I got a game that Saturday, mm-hmm. so I told her I went ahead. Even though when she sent it to me, I went ahead and bought a table just in case. Mm-hmm. I told her I don't know if I'll be able to make it. Maybe I can get somebody to represent me there. Um, but even if I can stay for an hour, just mm-hmm. show my face. But then I, I know I got to get a, cover a game that Saturday right. night. But um, I'm gonna do my best to be out there. You know, show support, man. So I'll see you out there again. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get out of here, can you tell everybody how to find you on social media? Absolutely. So. Um you could Google the number two, stubborn, two, fail. Um, all my information should pop up. But, you know, on Facebook, TikTok, uh, Instagram, every platform that you can think of, it's just type in two, stubborn, to fail. You'll get me. Absolutely. So hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode of the Cross the Line podcast. Till next time, keep chasing your dreams. Thank you for listening.